This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time, or you don't pay Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Seven at seven. Weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about some hockey. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as he always does, is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it going, man? Good. Weather's warming up. Good hockey uh, the last few uh, last few days, so everything's uh, everything's looking up. Kind of, kind of feeling, uh, feeling like things are starting to turn for the better. Yeah, yeah. It, I will say, yesterday was the first time I entered T-Mobile Arena, and I had the only in Vegas problem where I was dressed to go to a hockey rink, which is not how I would have been dressed when I was outside for any period of time yesterday. I was just sweating bullets in the brief, you know, walk from the parking lot out into the ring. So I don't know if you had this problem, Dave, but we're at that point of the season uh, here in town where the way that uh, I dress in everyday life and the way that I dress in the rink are completely different. And that's both a good thing and uh, and a bad thing. I can definitely relate. That's for sure. I know I walked out last night and was kind of like, hmm, don't know why I'm wearing a big heavy jacket right now. It's about 70 degrees. So once it got to my car, I chucked that really quick. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we'll see how the ice holds up. That's always the fun thing, too, is once the weather gets real hot around here, you know, how's how's the ice going to hold up, especially deep into the summer? They're, they're not, you know, I mean, this, this is like playoff time normally almost right now. We're, we're normally getting to the end of the regular season. And so this thing's going to go deep when it gets warm. So we'll see. It'll be fun. No, it'll definitely get interesting, but uh, we're not here to just talk about the weather. Who knows? We could sprinkle that in throughout the show. Uh, But we're going to talk about the Knights' recent two-game set against the Colorado Avalanche in Denver and how that's going to set up the West Division race the rest of the year. We're also going to talk about some goalie stuff and some other topics. But before we do all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and heating. We really appreciate their support. We are also presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, of course, you can find out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Uh, I recently did a longer feature on Max Pacioretty, who's closing in 
on a major milestone for his career that you guys can read all about on our website. Dave recently did a, a great story on a Silver Knights forward Jermaine Lowen and uh, his book because he is already an author despite still kind of working his way up through the hockey ladder. Um, and of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, so as I just mentioned, the Knights just wrapped up a pretty important series. Uh, they went to Denver and they split with the Avalanche. Though technically uh, one of the games went into overtime. So uh, the Knights got two points out of it and Colorado got three for getting the overtime loss. So I guess because of that kind of uh, loser point, as they call it, they quote unquote won the series. Uh, the first game was a five nothing loss for the Knights in what coach Pete DeBoer said afterward was um, to tone it down slightly, a butt kicking, use your imagination. Uh, and then the Knights came back won three, two in overtime. Uh, we've known all season and we've been kind of hyping up these matches all season because we know that these two teams are very, very good and probably the best two teams in the West division. They played four straight earlier this year. They still have to play two more down the road. Uh, Dave, did you learn anything new about how these two teams match up with each other in this latest set? Because you were actually at the rink uh, in Denver, unlike myself. No, I wouldn't say any that I learned anything new in terms of how they matched up, but apparently like there were a whole bunch of doubters and apparently Pete DeBoer thought everybody jumped off the bandwagon after Thursday's game because he thanked all the people who stuck with the team on Saturday after their overtime win, which I found a little amusing. And I thought our uh, colleague Ed Graney wrote a great column about it as well. But I know, I, I mean, I think those games just showed what we saw in the first four matchups for the most part and what we would expect going forward. And I think we heard it from Pete DeBoer. I think we heard it from the players. When the Golden Knights are off, when they're not executing the game plan, the blueprint, when they're not playing Golden Knights hockey, I guess, as, as players like to say, then Colorado is a team that is powerful enough to put a 5-1 A kicking <laughs> on, on somebody, even a team like the Golden Knights. When they execute their game plan, though, it looks a lot like Saturday. And I think... You know, maybe if anything, it's not so much what I learned, but what was reinforced is that's the way the Knights are going to have to play against them in a series if they're going to be successful. And as much as we talked about, you know, how good Colorado is and how good McKinnon is and the mobile their defenses and all those sorts of things, it was interesting because the flip side in, in being in Denver and hearing the conversation from their end of it was... Well, where's Nathan McKinnon and why is the top line not scoring against the Golden Knights? And if the Colorado Avalanche don't get depth scoring, they might be in trouble in a series. So it's just kind of funny to hear like we talk about, you know, the Golden Knights and how do they match up and what sort of problems do the Avalanche present? And they're having the same conversations almost just in reverse in Denver about what the Golden Knights present for the Avalanche. So I don't know if it's a coin flip 50-50 type series or anything. But I think what it just did is reinforce that the Knights can go into Denver and win if they have to. They've they've technically won twice there now this season. So 
confidence and all of that sort of stuff. If, if that's, you know, a question or I, I don't think that's an issue for the Golden Knight. They firmly believe that they stack right up with the Avalanche at this point. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, you bring up kind of each side kind of nitpicking the other's performance because really these two teams are just 100% the measuring sticks for each other where because of how this uh, season's playoff format works where it is just more likely than not that these two teams could potentially meet uh, in the second round if they each win their opening round where uh, every single meeting between them is kind of hyper analyzed as we all, you know, poke and prod for, you know, weaknesses or, you know, what counters this and all that stuff. Uh, So it is, you know, interesting that, you know, people place a lot of focus on that, including us, because we're talking about it right now. And I do think it's more interesting to kind of start talking about how these two teams are going to stack up as heavyweights versus, you know, the Knights beating the Los Angeles Kings 4-1 last night because we're recording this on Tuesday, just because I think we know at this point that the Knights are better than the Kings. Uh, I think we know that the Knights can be better on the Avalanche on certain nights. As you pointed out, Dave, we also know that on some nights, the Avalanche, when they're, you know, kind of playing their A game, they can be way better than the Knights. And so that's more interesting to go through than kind of, you know, another uh, win for the Knights against a team that they're clearly better against. I do want to point out the standings, though, because the Knights are currently one point up on Colorado with a game in hand. Uh, Minnesota, who then are coming to Las Vegas to play Thursday and Saturday against the Knights, they are five points out of first. They're a little bit of a ways back. But then uh, fourth place, St. Louis, and then fifth place, Arizona, are way down the list from those three teams, and they're kind of fighting it out in a distant fourth right now. So I do think when you look at the standings, you say, huh, Minnesota has been a tough out for a lot of teams, including the Knights. They're two and two against the wild this year. Whereas right now, you know, Arizona and St. Louis are struggling. The blues have just kind of never turned it on this year. They dealt with a lot of injuries, but uh, the Knights, I believe are four and one against them so far this year. So they haven't posed as much of a challenge as many of us has expected. So because of that, Dave, you know, as we kind of head into uh, we're already getting close to the stretch run, which is kind of crazy to think about so far. The Knights are going to play basically to the two thirds point later this week. Uh, How important do you think a race for first place between the Knights and the Avalanche is ultimately going to be? Or does it not ultimately matter that much? Well, I think it'll matter in a couple in a couple perspectives. I think one from the fan end of things, it could be a big deal. And we already saw, you know, last night at the game, you know, at T-Mobile, the attendance was up to thirty nine fifty. And it doesn't sound like that's a whole lot, but that's, I believe, about five hundred or so more than the last time that they had had a home game. So as it continues to go along here, as it continues to grow, as it continues to become an advantage for a team that the Knights right now are 14-2-1 at home. The only team with more home wins right now is Pittsburgh. And I think that's just because they played more games, quite honestly. So I, I think anytime the Knights can have home ice advantage and they're playing games at T-Mobile, that's going to be a factor. Uh, two, I think, is just maybe maybe it's the implications of not winning it. 
And at this point, you kind of laid it out that right now there's sort of a fight, you know, between St. Louis and Arizona and, you know, who knows if LA or somebody else can kind of climb into that. It doesn't seem like it right now, but those teams are not exactly like, you know, setting the world on fire and, and coming into the postseason as it looks right now, you know, with a head of steam. I mean, they're almost sort of getting through the back door here, you know, if they get those that four seed. And, and it sort of feels like that's the type of team that you want to play. You don't want to fall into, you know, that two, three game. And potentially, I mean, depending on how things shake out, like I, just a crazy scenario, but like if Minnesota keeps going on a heater here, and you somehow have to face the avalanche in the first round. I mean, I'm not sure. You guess you got to go through them eventually, but I'm not sure that's the first round matchup you really want. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think there's some implications. And it was a question that I posed to Pete DeBoer. And, and I know his answer centered a lot around the fan aspect of it. And if these buildings are filled and certain teams or certain locales have more of that home ice advantage because of the fans, then then absolutely it could be key to uh, to have that number one seed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because, you know, like we've been talking about, you know these matchups ahead of time, which I might sound like a broken record doing that, but I do think that's just way more interesting this year where, you know, normally you have wild cards and things can kind of move around a little bit, especially if you're fighting for first place. And this year, everything is set in stone. And of course, uh, we all know playoff hockey. Nothing ever actually happens as we all expect it to. But it does really feel like there are a tier system in the West Division where, you know, Colorado and the Knights are kind of, you know, tier one, both uh, teams that are arguably some of the best in the NHL. It's hard to kind of say that definitively since we haven't seen them play the rest of the NHL, but just watching them, it just kind of feels that way via the eye test. You have the wild that are maybe a step below, and then you kind of have everyone else that is, you know, a step below, including guys that are probably a couple even below that. So obviously if you have to face, you know, if you're the Knights and you end up in second, I mean, facing Minnesota and Colorado back to back, I think is just a much different challenge than potentially facing, you know, the blues or even the coyotes, especially and then the avalanche to get to the final four where you're basically, you know, it's not a conference final this year, but it's the conference final equivalent. Um, you know, I think if you're the Knights, you want to make your path as easy as possible. And something else that I'll point out in terms of that, that tier system as well, that I think is interesting is the Knights are three and three against the avalanche this year. And they have a minus one goal differential in those six games. And they're also two and two, against the wild this year with a plus two goal differential. Cause they um, crushed them the one time here at T-Mobile arena five to one. Uh, both of those teams records, by the way, look better from their perspective. Cause they each had an overtime loss in there. So they each got kind of a loser point tossed in uh, against everyone else. That is not those two teams. Uh, Cause they were 500 so far in five games against those two teams or more than that, 10 games, but you get the picture. Uh, the Knights are 19-3-1 with a plus 32 goal differential. So the Knights are basically a 500 against the other two kind of good teams in the division. And they are just crushing 
demolishing, destroying everyone else. Like it is ridiculous. The fact that they have lost three games in regulation against teams not named Minnesota or Colorado. Ridiculous. Does that mean anything to you, Dave, as we're heading down the stretch run that they're, you know, 500 against good teams and, you know, just destroying the lesser competition? Is there anything that we should take away from that? Or is that just noise that's kind of fun to think about? Well, I guess if Gerard Gallant was the coach, I would probably ask him about that. And he would (laughs) storm out of a press conference because, you know. He would throw back in my face, what though we can all, can't, can't beat the good teams, can only beat the bad teams. Fun times, fun times. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I think, to be quite honest, it, it means something to me in, in the sense of my preseason prediction was kind of predicated on exactly that. You know, when we did our special section and we guessed, you know, who was going to win the division, what, what would the Knights point total finish over under, all that sort of stuff. I figured they were going to beat up on the bottom, bottom of this, this division. I mean, it, it's it was four of the the ten worst teams in the standings last year, and there wasn't a whole lot that really improved those teams. And so far, that's the way it's played out. And quite honestly, the Golden Knights have dominated the Pacific Division for the most part for their first three seasons. I, for whatever reason, I, maybe that speaks volumes to the you know mediocrity of the Pacific, our uh, former Pacific, now West Division. Uh, may have probably got a boost, you know, when Colorado and St. Louis and Minnesota came in, uh, even though Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver are at least okay, you still had the bottom feeders. And, and so from that respect, and I think the one thing that the Knights n- need to be commended for and the reason that they're, you know, on top of the division right now, racking up points, you know, near the top of the the leader, the, the excuse me, the league leaders in terms of points percentage, is they've taken care of business against those teams. They haven't had those stumbles. Like how many times have we had to talk about like a two-game losing streak when they've lost to the Kings and the Ducks, and it's like, what the heck's going on here? Blah blah blah. Never. They haven't had any of that. It's like they've had a, one or two little hiccups. You know, I can think of the one nothing loss against Anaheim that wasn't a very good effort from them. Um, they lost, you know, the first game down in Arizona. That was a little bit of a thumping, but like for the most part, they've, they've taken care of their business. So in that sense, I guess maybe it doesn't surprise me. Maybe the fact that they've done it as well as they have, and they've had as few stumbles and speed bumps and hiccups, you know, that that's maybe what's impressive, I guess, maybe not so much surprising, but just impressive about you know the first 33 games here. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Hey everyone, it's Ben Goats again. This time to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor, Blue Wire Pods. And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course 
full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to me talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Look for 7 at 7, local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app, or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Yeah, it's funny because you even mentioned like, okay, one of those losses was one nothing to Anaheim. So even when they do get beat in some of these games, it's, you know, the other team is kind of white knuckling it all the way to try to make it to the finish. Uh, there just haven't been a lot of times where it was like, oh man, you know, that was a, a no show for the Knights. And we've seen a couple recently where they had a kind of poor effort in Los Angeles. Uh, obviously, you can call them getting demolished by uh, Colorado something. It was certainly not their best effort. Uh, I also just think that, of course, Colorado, when it's on, is just really good and hard to slow down. Uh, But we'll see if kind of these trends hold. Like I said, uh, the Knights get to play the Wild at home for two games here. So I think those are going to be really instructive to see, you know, if the Knights are going to pull away a little bit or, you know, if they lose one or potentially both of those games, all of a sudden we're really talking about an interesting race the rest of the way in the West division. And I do think it's important enough where that's something to uh, just keep an eye on and be monitoring the Knights, uh, you know, haven't been involved exactly in too many, what feels like are going to be kind of neck and neck uh, races down to the wire. They of course have won the division two out of the three full seasons they competed in the third one or the second one, I guess last year wasn't exactly a quote-unquote race because it just stopped and they were in first. And, of course, the first year uh, they win with a couple games left thanks to William Carlson's spectacular between-the-legs goal against the Sharks. Uh, But I think if these two teams, you know, Colorado and the Knights, kind of are, you know, keep being neck-and-neck this whole time and kind of each takes turns potentially taking the lead here, I think it could set up a, a fun rest of the season, Dave. Yeah, I mean, this is a stretch, I think, on the calendar where the Golden Knights need to sort of make hay. But, like, once they get through this stretch, so, like, they're playing, um, you know, the Kings right now. But then they have the Blues after, or excuse me, the Wild, the Blues. And then after that, into April, it's, like, 10 straight games against teams that are out of playoff positions. So it's a spot where if the Knights get through these next four games you know, kind of unscathed and maybe even with a little bit of breathing room, 
that they can really create a cushion at that point. Because as we just talked about, those are teams that, that for the most part, the Golden Knights are 19-3 and 1 against. So if they continue that success, you know, then you're looking at, at putting yourself into a position to win the division title, you know, maybe clinch early on, um, do all those sorts of things and set yourself up for the playoffs. So, I mean, it, it should be fun because like you mentioned, all these other teams and with, I call I always call it the loser point too, that, that the NHL's kind of manufactured this parody and nobody's really been able to, to get away from anybody in the standings. So every game's going to be, you know, kind of these four pointers, everything's going to swing, you know, a two game winning streak is going to mean so much more in division against, you know, potentially teams that you're playing against. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of talking points and a, and a lot of fun back and forth for, you know, the next you know month plus here. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to move on and talk about some other topics. Uh, one that's, of course, top of mind right now is the Knights goaltending. Now that they have both of their goalies back and healthy. One interesting subplot of that Colorado series was the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury started both games uh, despite being in net when the team got shellacked in game one. Uh, It obviously wasn't all his fault because the team in front of him wasn't too good either. But it was interesting because it was the first time since the Knights traded for Robin Leonard that there wasn't a strict rotation with both healthy in the regular season. Basically, in every regular season game, which honestly, because of Leonard's injury, his concussion hasn't been that long. But, you know, since that time, DeBoer has done, you know, one in, one out the whole way until he went with Flurry both times in Denver. Uh, you know, Dave, I'm curious how surprised were you by that? The fact that uh, Flurry got the crease both times. And is that about a clear of a signal as we're going to get that, you know, Flurry right now is definitely this team's number one goaltender. So when I was watching practice on the Friday, Flurry was the first one off. And I kind of thought about it for a second and was kind of like, hmm, okay. And I've debated for a second whether I should tweet something out about it and kind of, you know, maybe make a joke or hedge it, you know, not, not really whatever, because sometimes it's a little hard. You know, it was a day game the next day. So you're kind of trying to read into, you know, a skate the day before. And does that sort of represent the morning skate? And does it mean anything or does it not? And Robin Leonard had talked about pretty openly how there were few practice opportunities for him to kind of work his way back into shape and kind of continue to get his timing back, all those sorts of things. I, you know, you sort of add it up and it's like, well, maybe he's just out here getting, you know, all the work he can and maybe it doesn't mean anything. And then all of a sudden, Mark Andre Fleury like runs out there at the start of warmups and it's kind of like, oh, well, maybe it did mean something. Maybe I should have, uh, you know, put it out there. I, I don't know. You know, I always want to be safe. I always want to, you know, be accurate and not speculate. But I guess I thought about it a little bit more. And I think, you know, I, Pete DeBoer's comments were interesting afterward in, in just saying that he thought Marc-Andre Fleury had carried him to that point and deserved it. And so to answer your second question... I think it is telling, and I think it does say, at least at this point right now, you know, that, that Marc-Andre Fleury would prob- probably be considered the number one goaltender. Now, here's the flip side to all of that, is how well Robin Leonard has played, to be quite honest. 
you know, what he's three and oh, he stopped six, 62 of the six, 66 shots that he's faced. If I can get that tongue twister out, you know, he, he, you can tell that he's starting to get some more pop in his legs. He's working his way back into shape. You know, he's been, been pretty solid the last couple games, I would say, especially. I mean, from that standpoint, it's almost maybe a little surprising because when he came back, he's played well. And so, like, why would you take him out of there? But I do think it was a nod and, and a deserved nod to Marc-Andre Fleury and what he had done and the work that he had done. But what I also thought was interesting was Pete DeBoer sort of acknowledging that those were the two biggest games and that was the biggest series of the of the season to that point. And I guess you could say, well, it's, you know, the one right now. So everyone is the biggest, you know, the Kings one is the biggest right now. You know, I don't buy that. You know, I thought it was interesting the way that, you know, Pete DeBoer, you know, after that Saturday game and and sort of, you know, kind of kind of snapping back, I felt like a little bit, like I mentioned at the media and, and sort of the doubters. I'm not sure who doubted him, but they walked, they walked out of there feeling pretty tall. And if Flurry bounced back the way that he did in that game, and you feel good about him going forward, and Leonard looked as solid as he did on Monday night against the Kings, you know, you're right back to, I guess, if you're Pete DeBoer having to figure out how to, you know, sort it out. But for the Knights, you're you're back to having the the best one-two punch in net in the league. And as much as I think, you know, we thought maybe that the schedule wouldn't be as bad at the start and oh, you can find some breaks and you don't need two goalies. No, like it's it's played out this year that you need two goalies. And whatever happens here over the next month, we'll see. And going into the playoffs, we'll see. I would say right now, Marc Andre Fleury has a head start on starting in the postseason, and it's gonna be a month plus of who can, you know, win the starting job from, from here on out. I think they're both going to get their chance to, to win it. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned them needing two goalies. The Knights basically have uh, 23 games in about 39 days the rest of the way. So that compact schedule is not getting stretched out anytime soon. So they definitely uh, need to rely on both of them. And you mentioned Leonard looking really good. Since he came back uh, in his three starts since coming back from his concussion, he is three and zero with four goals allowed and a nine thirty nine save percentage, which is ridiculous. Uh, but of course, Mark Andre Fleury's entire season stats have been ridiculous this year. He's still looking like a possible Vesna Trophy finalist. He's got a two point zero six goals against average and a nine twenty seven save percentage for the entire season, which is crazy basically the only guys uh really ahead of him are tampa's andre vasileski and colorado's philip grubauer so they're competing more than in uh just the standings a uh, last thing before we get out of here we should mention that uh defenseman alex petrangelo was back with the golden knights for monday's morning skate and it's looking like he could possibly return to the lineup soon uh, from his upper body injury. Uh, as we're recording this today, the Knights actually waived Nick Holden to clear up cap space for when they take Petrangelo off LTIR because they've been using uh, LTIR to kind of help them with cap space basically most of the season. If people remember, originally they placed Braden McNabb on it when he got hurt in late January against the Blues. Then that led into right 
into them using LTIR with Robin Leonard to get additional kind of cap flexibility, which led to them using it with Alex Petrangelo for cap flexibility. So now it looks like, you know, depending on how things play out over the coming days, that they'll have no one on LTIR, which means that they're going to kind of be back to the cap crunch they were at at the beginning of the season when they were kind of trading off doing 13 forwards, five defensemen, and then a traditional kind of 12-6. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, But we talked a lot about the Knights' kind of cap situation and their lack of flexibility last week because we were discussing, you know, if and when we're expecting moves around the NHL's trade deadline, which is April 12th. So listen to last week's episode for more of our thoughts on that because I don't think they've changed too much. Uh, what are the odds in your mind, Dave, because of where the cap is at, because of where kind of this roster is at, too, that Alex Petrangelo coming back is almost in a way, or at least the team might spin it this way, their quote unquote deadline acquisition? Yeah. Or deadline addition. Yeah, I still feel like there is maybe a small move or something in the offing. I just feel like they can't resist even, even as much as the tea leaves and everything sort of around the league indicate that the Knights are real quiet. They're not doing a whole lot. When I talked to Kelly McCrimmon, certainly he was pretty open about other approach is going to be different this year. I still feel like, you know, depending on how these next couple of weeks go with Cody glass and it might determine, you know, whether they look at anything on the third line or anything, but to that point, and that was a question that I asked to Pete DeBoer, with Alex Petrangelo, yeah, I do feel like it's essentially kind of, you know, like a deadline acquisition. There's a, <laughs> it's like a hockey era, excuse me, a, you know, European soccer joke or phrase or whatever that they call it a lands, L-A-N-S, which is like a new signing, which is, you know, basically the same thing. Like the guy who's hurt, you know, you can't, you can't sign anybody during the transfer window, but he comes back. It's like a new signing. Same kind of thing. I think with Alex Petrangelo, they've, They've made it through, you know, this month. They've played really well for the most part. Won games, you know, more than treaded water. They're still on top of the division. And so now you're going to get, you know, arguably your best defenseman, arguably one of the top five defensemen in the league added to your lineup at essentially kind of right around the trade deadline, probably, depending on his timeline. It sounds like, you know, maybe a week or so, maybe a little less. I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to hard to say until he gets out of that non-contact jersey. But we would expect he would be, you know, in there soon. And so, yeah, I, I do feel like it has an effect. I do feel like, you know, although the guys that have played, they've got experience that they have to go back in. You know, it's good that they got their feet wet and, and the taste of it. You know, guys like Dylan Coughlin. But, you know, you pay $61.6 million to have Alex Petrangelo leading your blue line, you know, in the postseason. So he comes back at this at that point, you know, works his way back into shape. Yeah, it 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 is going to feel like, you know, bringing somebody in big at the deadline like they have in the past. Just somebody who's already familiar with the group and is already on the roster. Yeah, you mentioned how impactful Alex Petrangelo can be. He was actually ranked uh, fourth on ESPN's list of best defensemen today. Shea Theodore was actually also in the top 10 at number nine. So, you know, be an important piece to get back in the lineup. We'll see. When Petrangelo ultimately steps back in. Uh, But for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge podcast. Uh, As a reminder, we are sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. And of course, we are presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, Make sure to check out all our written work 
at reviewjournal.com. We also have a new newsletter that we're sending out on Tuesdays and Fridays that you can sign up for on our website. So please do that if you're interested in following our work and you know want to converse with us a little bit more in written format. Uh, and of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, please do to this one. It would be very much appreciated. Uh, thanks so much, you guys. I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1-HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.